0: Big Why are you surrendering to Zod?
1: I'm surrendering to mankind There's a difference
0: You let them handcuff you?
1: Wouldn't be much of a surrender if I resisted And if it makes them feel more secure Then, then all the better for it
0: What's the S stand for?
1: it's not an S. On my world it means hope. Well, here it's an
0: S. How about...
1: everybody i'm joel murphy and i'm andy mcintyre and this is silver linings playback the podcast where we watch maligned movies and we find their silver lining and uh as you might have known from the opening stinger uh we are
0: taking it back to superheroes again uh we did back in what was it july sure
1: august something I like mean, that And if we're pretending time has any meaning sure
0: it doesn't um yeah. you know because we know you've been rapidly listening week in, week out, and not just stacking them up to listen all at once. But we uh, looked at some maligned superhero movies. And shockingly, after doing five, we didn't run out. There are more. There's six. There are a lot more. There's, there's at least six. So, yeah, there's at least... We'll, we'll
1: see next week if we can get to yeah. seven. But uh,
0: but not only are we doing malign superhero movies, uh, we are very specifically uh, taking a portal to the Snyderverse, folks.
1: Yeah, we are... Hashtag release the Snyder Pods. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah. Um,
0: yeah, so we are we are looking at all of these Zack Snyder uh DC extended universe
1: movies. Yes. And I I feel like maybe a place to start. Is Zack Snyder is kind of unique and I, I mean we're sort of we teased it a little bit just now, but I feel like um you know sort of unlike Usually when we do movies, you know, we, we do maligned movies and, and usually, you know, obviously there's someone who probably loves every movie, you know, like there, there are truly, but usually there's like kind of a consensus of, you know, the general wisdom tends to fall upon this movie was not good. And maybe it has its defenders, maybe it has a, a cult following or something, but usually like. There's a pretty solid agreement, but but Zack Snyder and specifically his uh, DC movies are sort of unique in that they there's a they are maligned and and a lot of people don't like them, but they're also super polarizing in that there is a very vocal fan base that loves his movies.
0: Yeah, um, I've always sort of contended that pretty much every piece of popular culture out there is someone's favorite thing and someone else's least favorite thing. Yep. But usually there's a big consensus in the middle, sort of which way that arrow points. And um, yeah, there's people love these Zack Snyder DCEU movies and, and they're intense. Um, yeah. Real like toxically intense. Yes.
1: Yeah. And I mean, so, you know, I mean, if you've listened back in July, if you listened to this show, uh, it's probably not a big surprise uh, that I am certainly a big comic book fan. I know, Andy, you are, too. Like, I, yeah, And I same. particularly love DC Comics, and I love Batman in particular. I've seen every Batman movie on opening night uh, as they've come out. I did a review for Hobo Trash Can for Batman vs. Superman when it was released, and I didn't care for the movie and I got some some of the angriest comments I have ever gotten on any review I've ever done, including people accusing me of being a Marvel fanboy and saying I was, like, in, ta- in the tank for Marvel. I re- received money from Marvel to say this, that it was just very funny to see people sort of very convinced that, like, I clearly was not a – like, I had an axe to grind. There was God, no way could you I could Yeah. Could you imagine what that review would have looked like if you were getting paid by Marvel to write it? Oh my God. Which, hey, look, I don't really do reviews anymore, but I'll just, as a blanket statement, Marvel, if you want to pay us to do this podcast or something, like, you know, like, holler we'll, at us. Yeah.
0: Yeah. We'll make sure that Thor The Dark World disappears.
1: Yeah. We'll do a whole new Thor The Dark World <laughs>
0: Yeah, it, we will. That we'll, will go
1: the way of Ed Norton's Hulk if, if you want it to. Yeah. We'll just talk about Mark Ruffalo for 45 minutes instead.
0: Whatever you need, if you want to send us some of that fat movie cash, uh, we will take it.
1: Yeah, if you need us to original roadie that podcast, like we can.
0: <laughs> yeah, we. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, we will be the Don Cheadle that you need. Yeah. Uh, uh, no, so yeah, I like, and I, you know what, this will be an interesting month. I'll just say that because we are going to try to be. We're gonna to try to find some silver lining, and obviously, we're doing it this month. If it, this wasn't clear, because they actually are releasing the Snyder Cut of Justice League on HBO Max. So, in order to celebrate that, honor that, I don't know, acknowledge that, uh, we thought we'd look back at all of the, and the, we're we're also
0: assuming it's going to be maligned. Yeah, I think. I mean, that's it feels like a safe bet you know and i'm i'm, I'm comfortable yeah. i'm comfortable with that choice uh yeah i feel like that's smart money is that it's smart money is it's for sure going to have its detractors and it will also have its sycophantic fanboys yes yeah no for sure like every comic book movie but <laughs> um yeah could you imagine if like toxic fans use their power for good no. Like, what would happen? I can't. I can't either, but, like, <laughs> like if you could. No. I'd, that would be something. I'd, nope. Uh, but, yeah, we're going chronological with this one, folks. Uh, we are starting with Man of Steel. Yes. Yes, we are. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, you know who definitely needed another origin story was Superman. Almost as much as Batman needs more tellings of how he got started, I think Superman's right up there with, you know, needing to know how how everything kicked off.
1: Um which I mean, since you started here, and I this isn't even necessarily fair for the movie itself, but there has always been a little bit and I I I bring it up specifically because I don't think this movie solved the problem and in fact maybe drew extra attention to the the logical issue with it of I I don't think I ever really understood the logic of our planet is going to blow up. Uh, We need, you know, like Krypton is done, but we're going to stuff Clark in a spaceship and send him to a strange planet and hope for the best. And just the idea that, like, his parents didn't go with him.
0: (laughs) Yeah. um, I think in the comics, they might have explained something to the effect of. The journey would have been too taxing for them, but because he's a newborn, he could survive it. Some weird nonsense science mumbo jumbo, <laughs> but um, why they wouldn't like this clearly incredibly advanced race that even this movie hinted that they had been colonizing the universe, and then just said, "Meh, we're done." Yeah, and their planet blew up.
1: Well, and it, it's it's really particularly weird because I feel like this setup sort of almost teed it up to you because Zod was simultaneously attacking the house of L as the planet was blowing up. You could have maybe made it that you you could have done a classic, like Russell Crowe, uh, Jor-El sort of says, I'm going to buy time and tells his wife to like get Kal-El to the spaceship and the two of them are going to take off and he's going to hold everyone back. And then, you know, like she, She's getting in the spaceship with him, maybe sets the coordinates and the autopilot, and then last second, I don't know, has to go outside of the spaceship and she gets killed too or so. You know what I mean? Like you could have had them both die as they were trying to get him in the shuttle, but like I don't know, they they yeah, like you said, they they talk about how they colonize other planets. They have all this like stuff and equipment, but then even the spaceship is just built for for el Like there there seems to have been No version of a plan where the parents ever would have gone with him, which just, I don't know, needs an explanation. You know, I think I think it bears addressing considering it is the first thing that
0: we're talking about here. Um, And yeah, it's one of the many things that doesn't make sense about Superman, uh, who I'm just going to come out and say it.
1: Not a great character, just not. A great comic book character. I, I mean, that's. I'll I'll push back on that. I, I will say that Superman is not one of my favorite comic book characters, but I do think in the right hands, Superman can be a very good character. I also really love the story of Superman's creation, in that like you know he was created by two Jewish men. you know, around World War II, as like, what if there was a guy who couldn't be hurt? You know, and I like I do kind of love that. I do think the issue because he was sort of the original superhero is I think they swung a little too hard with just canonically, like how powerful he is, I think does make it difficult. He's a god like he is just. A God with only one real weakness who has a lot of powers and I think that makes him hard to be relatable a lot of the time and I think it makes it hard uh, to you know just sort of find ways to tell stories about him that are compelling but I do think that people who are good at it have done really good stuff I think the you know the Richard Donner Superman movies are definitely yeah. they they vary in quality but you know there's some really good stuff there I, I even enjoyed early seasons of the show Smallville. Like, you know, I would watch that and and it, that show went on too long. But
0: yeah, I, I think I think I, I'm inclined to agree with that. Uh, I think it's just it's he's such a hard character to do
1: well that so few people have done well with it. Yes. Is that I I probably agree. a
0: more accurate assessment?
1: Yeah, that I would agree with. I, I think the interesting stuff with him and i think maybe the people that i i feel like have had the most success are people who look who kind of embrace the idea that he's not human and sort of write him as othered and i've seen people talk about that that like unlike every other superhero the the costume the the you know f- the identity that he's changing into like he's always superman he's pretending to be clark kent like he he puts on a suit To go to work and be us (laughs) versus like, you know, you know, every most other superheroes are like, you know, Iron Man's putting on a suit, you know, Batman, I I guess probably does like 50 pushups or 500 pushups. Why did I say 50? But, you know, he's probably doing pushups and shouting at himself in the cave and slapping himself in the face to get ready to, to be Batman. But like, well, yeah, and the thing that makes Batman interesting is that he
0: wishes he was the bat all the time. And yeah. sort of regret, and in the and I think in the best versions of Batman, he sort of regrets having to be Bruce Wayne at all, and just wants to be the Bat. Whereas, yeah, super, the, like that is, but is the truth of Superman is he is Kal
1: El, the last son of
0: Krypton. He puts on the Clark Kent costume to blend in.
1: Well, and the fact that you know, it's almost like being. It, it's I don't want to say it's not heroic because it is, but. If you have those powers and you don't use them <laughs> to save as many people as possible, you know, like it it makes you it, it's it's less of a, a choice in a way to, to have so much power to to be able to be in, you know, not vulnerable to anyone, <laughs> like to just have godlike powers and not use them every second of your life to save humanity.
0: Right. It's. It's I mean, it's the Spider Man with great power comes great responsibility yeah. thing. With um, all the power comes all the responsibility. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. It's um and he does a good job, you know, as a character when he's in good hands and it's interesting and it's fun. And I think he's a lot of times and I don't think it's true in what we're gonna be talking about over the next few weeks, but I think he's often more interesting as part of the
1: Justice League than he is just on his own. Yes. Well, I also, and maybe we'll get more into this too. I have always, of all of the people in the Superman universe, thought Lois Lane was a more interesting character than than Superman. Just for me personally, I've always really liked Lois Lane as a character. Uh, you know, Lex Luthor is a really great villain too. But yeah, so yeah. And wait till next week when we talk about him. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, I enjoy Zod quite a bit too, particularly from the, the Richard Donner <coughs> Yeah, the the,
0: um, the Richard Lester slash Richard Donner. You want to talk about a cut that needed to get released? That Richard Donner cut of Superman 2? So much better.
1: Yes. Yeah, for sure. Uh, that Not
0: that I mean, because I mean, I grew up watching the Richard Lester cut and enjoyed it and it was super fun. And I would even say on a lot of levels, I think it's more interesting a movie than the original Superman. Superman the movie.
1: Superman the movie is, uh, you know, again, we're <laughs> maybe we're digging a hole for our credibility. But yeah. I don't think the first, the first Superman. There's a lot that I like about it, but that ending is not good. Like, they, it's it's got some yeah. issues.
0: Yeah, and I don't know, like, like you said, Lex Luthor is a great character, and I think that Gene Hackman is a great actor. I think the way
1: they chose to portray Lex Luthor, I didn't love in those movies. Yeah, it was um, uh, they went too comedic with him, and they didn't quite make him intimidating enough. Also, why didn't he have a bald head? I mean he was wearing a wig the whole time they reveal in the end, but
0: yeah. and I think that like Gene Hackman could have absolutely done the menacing Lex Luthor, the kind of conniving, you know, ruthless kind of like the um the Clancy Brown version in the DC animated universe that's is really great.
1: great. Yeah, I know Clancy Brown is great. Uh yeah, <laughs> for sure.
0: Uh but let's talk about Man of Steel. Let's get into why this movie is maligned.
1: Um. Well, and, I, I think, well, I think this is, sorry, I just, I, because I do think this is related, and I think this maybe will put us on a point. It, this kind of hit me watching this, and it's something, you know, and maybe this is why people like Zack Snyder, but to me, what stands out as a problem when doing a Superman movie and just a problem with th- this movie as a whole, a problem with maybe Snyder's approach to the DCEU is this, which is. I think the best Superman stories is Superman is a very hopeful character. He is someone who <laughs> perhaps has no reason to believe in humanity and yet does and always sort of wishes for the best for people and believes the best in people and gives people chances. And it really hit me watching this how cynical this movie is. This this movie like Zack Snyder's version of Superman is it's sad. I mean you have his dad, you know Jonathan Kent, his adopted dad, uh, having this worldview again. I mean, you you touched on Uncle Ben, you know Jonathan Kent has always sort of been depicted as this you know mentor figure that, and so sort of the idea and there's been comics like Superman Red Son which have explored like what if someone besides the Kents found him and and the idea was always the right family found him, this really loving fan, but this version of, of Jonathan Kent is like, you must hide yourself. You can never save anyone. And he even says, he's like, so I just should let people die? Yeah, you should. And it's like, what? <laughs> like, It's it's just a very bizarre take. And the whole movie spends this whole time. Well, and especially to the point that. Oh, well, I'll let you finish and then I'll go. No, I was just going to say, like, the whole movie is about Clark Kent sort of hiding who he is because he doesn't think the world will accept him. And then, you know, it's sort of (laughs) like the movie sort of sides with his dad and that then, well, you know, then bad people show up and because he's there, try to kill everyone. Like, it just, I don't know though, both like the characters in the movie are cynical and the movie itself is just very cynical. And, I'm sure we'll talk more about the fact that it it, 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 capping off in the idea that Superman snaps a villain's neck in the end, like just straight up murders him.
0: Yeah. And I, I half, okay, maybe 40% see the logic in that choice, but I think it was executed poorly. I think I see what. Just reading some like reviews and some cri- and some criticisms about, it. I see what they were trying to do. I think they failed in doing it. Well, I'm um, saying,
1: I uh, w- what they're trying to do or not like it's. I'm just saying you you guys it's are again, going. It's not what Superman does. Yeah, it, you. It's a very cynical version of Superman. And then you know, as we go further to next week, I think then you know. Superman's the ray of light in the DCEU, so if he's this dark, to have a contrast between him and Batman, Batman has to be, you know, like even more cynical and dark. And it's just... Like, basically Judge Dredd? Yeah, like, yeah, some cross between Rorschach and Judge Dredd, essentially. <laughs> like, what a what a ray of hope that would be. No, I, the other thing I was saying is, like, the scene where
0: Jonathan Kent dies, and um, like... You could argue that it wouldn't have taken someone with Superman's power set to save Jonathan Kent in that scenario.
1: I think you could argue that both Clark's biological father and his adopted father both just pieced out on <laughs> raising him. Like both just could have lived and went, eh, I'd rather not. Yeah, it, it, uh, it's so dumb. It's so dumb the way that So dumb. It's so he, dumb. He Well, one, it's dumb because it's ultimately meaningless in a world where it takes Lois Lane five seconds to figure out that Clark Kent is Superman. It seems like everyone kind of just knows it in Smallville anyway. So at that point, you've already had him save people on the bus. You know, he's already sort of been outed. So a group of people would have seen him save his dad. It, it, They probably already knew anyway. Instead, they probably went, how come the guy with all the superpowers didn't go save his dad? Right. It makes him even more of
0: an asshole <laughs> to to do all that. Uh, Yeah, I think that's it's I think a, a recurring theme through these next few weeks is just going to be a fundamental misunderstanding of the characters that they're putting on screen.
1: Well, and it, it's that thing where, you know, Zack Snyder... Rose to prominence in the comic book. Well, and that's not true because 300 was a comic book. But So he did 300 first, but then you know his big project after that was Watchmen. And Watchmen is Alan Moore's cynical take on superheroes. And, you know, there is a character in that universe that is this version of Superman, pretty much. Like, you know, right. Manhattan is pretty much just you know a superman that does not care about humanity and rorschach is kind of a batman that is that dark you know i mean so it's i think that was the approach he was coming in was like treating the you know the main roster of dc characters as the watchman versions of them and i that's a bad take
0: yeah it's fundamentally and that's i Maybe some people out there liked that take, and those are probably the people that defend the movie, but you're just losing a bunch of people no matter how good the set pieces are, no matter how good the dialogue is, you know, no matter how good the moments are, you're just losing a bunch of fans from Jump Street taking that approach.
1: And particularly Superman fans. (laughs) like. Because, again, I mean, yeah, like, you and I don't have as much invested in Superman, but if you really do love the character, and I do know people who love the character who had that reaction of just, like, you know, I don't understand why this Superman is so angry and so cynical, you know? Right.
0: Like, I would guarantee probably the most common superhero tattoo is the superman S. Yeah. Uh, Just, you know, something... I would say one in every three professional athletes has tattooed somewhere on their body. Uh, Shaquille O'Neal, like eight times, Mm -hmm. you know, and just, uh, he's, you know, this symbol of being the best of the best of the best being literally superhuman, like in every sense of the word and is also always standing up for what's right. You know, truth, justice in the American way, the whole, like that's him. Um, I think you could argue that Chris Evans did a better job being Superman playing Captain America than the way Superman was written. Oh, 100%. In these movies.
1: 100%. Yeah. Like Captain America is the model. The Chris Evans Captain America shows how Superman could have worked in better hands in the DCEU for sure. You know, and that and that's one of the reasons
0: I think that superman works better as part of the justice league in general just because he has people around him that are approaching his peers the closest thing he has to peers literally in the universe so it's like you can see a little bit more of of a give and take and people and he can be relatable in that way um whereas compared to like you know the average human you know, there's, there's literally nothing in common between between them.
1: Yeah. And it's sort of he also in the Justice League gets to be himself, like gets to actually. And I, I again, I I don't want to talk this much about Marvel or that guy that left those comments will really have it for me. But, uh you know, yeah, I, I will. I, I mean, that, <laughs> that's uh, a lot of what they have done, like in the Avengers stuff is, you know, you get to see how superheroes interact with each other. And, you know, certainly when we get to justice league, I'm sure we'll talk about that, but like, yeah, Superman, when he gets to sort of just be himself and not have to hold back because most average people's interactions with Superman last about, you know, milliseconds. (laughs) You know, he's a red flash that, you know, a blur that pulls them out of a burning building and then is gone to save the next person before they ever even fully register that they've seen him. Like most, you know what I mean? That That's about it. And then most of his life, he's pretending to be some average, you know, <laughs> like just mild mannered reporter. Right.
0: Yeah. Uh, and I mean, I think I think this gets like literally everything that's wrong with this movie is through that lens. Mm hmm um because I mean I think yeah I I I think there's some weird choices and some weird inconsistencies like why was Jarrell on the ship in the ice that was there for thousands of years like why was his thing? There and well, like, that also makes sense. and
1: I mean, and you get into like Jarrell literally just is used as a deus ex machina, like a, an actual literal one. He is a god inside the machinery in the third act of this movie who knows everything, sees everything coming, is able to. Like, you know, I, I kind of get that's always been a part of Superman is this idea that he had these recordings or crystals or whatever version you're getting that he was able to record some simulated version of himself that his son could interact with. But this version seems to be omnipotent and like, it's a very convenient plot device, which I didn't enjoy as much as I like Russell Crowe. And he is enjoyable and yeah. Um,
0: and just like some of the internal logic of the movie outside of just misunderstanding superman's like the level of destruction is absurd even for a superhero movie
1: well again i, mean, I think that gets to the cynicism but yeah the fact that and, and it's weird because they almost just have to they end up addressing it in subsequent movies because i think they have to they you know, pretty much half of metropolis is leveled by the end of this movie not to mention smallville before that right yeah, like the amount of destruction that is unleashed by this attack, you know, is catastrophic.
0: Yeah, in a way. And I mean, especially like sort of the bigger superhero movies, like the all the Avengers movies feature catastrophic events, um, you know, even the first one with uh, the Battle of New York. But even then, like nowhere near the amount of damage done to metropolis in man of steel. And yeah. it's it, to the point that like, granted you have to take a huge leap in terms of suspension of disbelief for superhero movies in general, but I don't know a hallmark of good writing is that you obey the rules that you set out for yourself. And, you know, you establish an, once you establish an internal logic that, And as long as it's consistent, people grow to accept it. And I just felt it was all over the place in this movie.
1: Well, and sort of contributing to all of that too is because of the decision that they made to have this version of, of Clark be hiding himself. He doesn't even become Superman until, uh, you know, Zod and his crew shows up and asks for Kal-El and then he puts the costume on and then he surrenders himself. But I think in doing that, it sort of robs the world of, you know, it it kind of affects the stakes because when these this giant alien ship shows up and goes like sacrifice the alien living among you or we will destroy you. Well, everyone's going to be like, "Okay, cool. Take him versus like if Superman was a known entity that was like had already been already saving saving the day every day. 24-7-365 and 247365. Yeah, and people loved Superman. He was a beacon of hope. Then it's a choice. It's actually there's stakes. Like I think the stakes are much lower if nobody knows who Superman is or cares at the time that you're asking him to give himself up to save humanity.
0: Yeah, and it's the the world at large doesn't know that there's literally only one person that can stop this from happening. And it's the person that they're asking for. Right. Well, yeah, it's
1: it's just, yeah, like, I I think that's the thing is that just, I, I don't know, there's so many weird choices in this movie, and just things that really keep it from, from working the way that it should. And, yeah, I, a big part of it is just Superman doesn't really get to be Superman <laughs> throughout most of the movie, and the only time he does get to be Superman, he's half of a battle that's leveling the city you know right and there's a lot of stuff where like you know people in fighter jets are taking shots at him and and they eventually by the end of the battle you know are like hey okay you're not our enemy you know christopher maloney like gets that part of like oh okay you're you're," but like you totally understand why they are shooting at him (laughs) right because they have no reason from yeah the
0: military's perspective
1: yeah, so there's just a lot of stuff like that. and i I guess I want to mention now that one of the weirdest things to me about this movie is the the screenwriter of this movie is David S. Goyer, who I really like, who yeah. he wrote all three Christopher Nolan Batman movies. He is accredited screenwriter on all three Blade movies. He wrote Dark City, like David Goyer has a long and in, in like solid career. Dude can write a movie. Yeah, dude can write a movie. Particularly, he, he can write a superhero movie. Uh, and I know the Blade movies like vary in quality overall, but you know he he was. He, but one and two are good. Yeah, and he wrote both of those. So, uh, but yeah, I I like David Goyer a lot. You know, I I get that. You know, writing a movie is only part of a larger thing. You know, and you write what you're asked to write. So I'm. I, you know I'm, I'm saying maybe maybe goyer didn't uh, you know wasn't maybe he was asked to make some choices i don't know or maybe i'm letting him off the hook
0: but yeah i mean i know that my understanding is that this was like Zack snyder was sort of the auteur behind this like it was yeah. his vision it was his idea you know the the screenwriters basically took his outline and added dialogue is the way i understand it to, Which to, to be, a point i mean i'm yeah. sure that you know that david s goyer probably put his own two cents in here and there and i know that christopher nolan
1: was involved as a producer and you know to a point and sure what's that sure this is my own conjecture it is not based on anything but i've always kind of believed that christopher nolan just rubber stamped his name on this movie and possibly never read a script if if i had to guess There's a chance that that would not surprise me. Um, Yeah. Just based on what we got, just based on like, I feel like he lent his name to this. And I I would question how involved Nolan was, was or was interested in being in this.
0: Yeah. Um. Another thing, like. uh,
1: The characters in this movie are none of them are smart. Yeah, I mean, Lois Lane is the smartest, and she's sometimes smart. She's smart when she's figuring out who Clark Kent is. Like, that's some solid reporting that she's... Yeah, yeah, like, she's doing good detective work. I understand the breadcrumbs that led her to piecing it together. But but then she also does very dumb things. Like, you know, I mean... (laughs) when perry white is talking about like the you know the owners of the paper want me to you know sue you for breach of contract it's like yeah they probably should like what she did is not okay you know she leaks in a version of an article that was her editor told her he wasn't going to run to uh you know online right. publication that's not okay you know now and like
0: I know that she had to be on the plane that was trying to bomb the Kryptonian ship for the movie to happen, but never in a million
1: years would that be done.
0: Literally anybody else could put the key in
1: the hole. Yes. Yeah. And she could have explained it to someone. They could have found something for her to do. Yeah. Like, no, she's... Yeah. But yeah. No, you're right. None of the characters are... I guess Zod is maybe smart. He might be smart. Yeah. Um, but this, uh, this gets someone, it's, it's a trope of, of
0: writing, I think, in a lot of ways. And I think you see it a lot in sort of sci-fi fantasy, that sort of milieu, where um, they establish that there's like a thing that's really tough to do. But then as soon as one person does it, everybody can do it easily um is a pretty standard trope uh, like a really great example is like the patronus in the Harry Potter movies like they make a big deal in the third book and movie about Harry conjuring his patronus but then by the fifth movie like first year students are making it in the Dumbledore's Army club and all that and it's the same thing they make such a huge deal about Clark Kent when he's starting like his powers are starting to reveal themselves and like all of the input from all the different senses the x-ray vision the super hearing and how hard a time he had to focus and then like He basically tells Zod and them how to do it, and then immediately they
1: get it, and it's just really dumb. Yeah, which also it's dumb, just yeah, from from that reason that you're stating. But it's also dumb because that when we talk when you know we get to the idea of whether or not he had to snap Zod's neck, that could have been the thing that makes him defeat Zod and get Zod thrown into the Phantom Zone. If you can thread that, that maybe. They've been battling on the spaceship the whole time. And or maybe Zod has his mask on. And when his mask finally comes off, the thing that defeats him is he can't focus, which allows Clark to finally have an upper hand and throw him in the Phantom Zone. Like that's you you would have earned that ending, you know, from the earlier scene with Clark as a kid. But instead, yeah, like you said, they burned through it for nothing. Yeah, and the the one like sort of take I've seen on him
0: killing Zod is that that's when he realizes that he shouldn't kill anyone after killing Zod is sort of the angle that they're taking. And I like, I just don't think that that was delivered well enough. Cause I'm a pretty smart guy. You're a pretty smart guy. And if I hadn't read that, I never would have been like, Oh, like you almost need him to like in the denouement of the movie to say like, I, I got pushed too far, something to not to make
1: that a thing. Well, and it also, I think it's a mistake to have him snap his neck. I just oh, want really, to emphasize that because so I, I'll take a moment just to say since we talked about Nolan. It actually has been a pet peeve of mine as much as I love Christopher Nolan's Batman movies that they've they've essentially always tried to have their cake and eat it, too, in that they claim that Batman does not kill. And then he murders one person per movie. And, you know, the first movie to kill you but I don't have to save you. Yeah, I'm not going to kill you, but I don't have to save you. I'm pretty sure after you beat someone to the point that they can't stand up and then leave them on a monorail that you know is about to crash, that's at least manslaughter. Like, that's... Yeah, that's
0: not even the trolley problem. That is...
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. the trolley problem doesn't involve throwing someone on the tracks that you punched in the face. <laughs> uh, There's so... five people on your train, <laughs> but you have to pick one of them to throw on the track that you're moving into. <laughs> Yeah. So the first movie has that. The second one is the most blatant, but also sort of understandable in that Harvey Dent is about to kill Gordon's son. So Batman shoves him off the side of a building to kill him, but he definitely shoves him off the side of the building and kills him like direct result kills him. And then the third movie, he doesn't directly murder anyone, but he definitely steps aside so that Catwoman Can can murder Bane, can murder Bane. And he's probably at least somewhat responsible for uh, um, Talia Al Ghul's death. (laughs) You know, like he's not not responsible for it. Right. He's he's at least an accomplice in that. (laughs) Yeah. So anyway, all of that to say, that has always bothered me. I really wish they didn't do that, especially because the stuff with the Joker is so good and it kind of undercuts it for him to not kill the Joker when he seems willing to kill everyone else. But that being said... I think if you wanted Superman to murder Zod, you probably should have done something like that. He leaves Zod in something that crashes he uh, you know allows someone else to kill zod he he shoves Zod off a building like but to to snap a man's neck is such an aggressive and overt attempt to kill someone <laughs> like
0: yeah it's undis like it's unmistakable you didn't like well I just hope. This was the
1: Vulcan nerve pinch that I've right. never seen before, yeah, no, I mean you he won with great forethought and malice, broke a man's neck with his superpower <laughs> like right, yeah, there's um
0: unequivocally, and you know a, a million monkeys with a million typewriters, maybe there's a version that that is the right choice, and there's a way to make that work, but this was not it,
1: no. I also, man, look, I don't want to, I don't want to victim blame, but that family could have like gotten up and moved, right? <laughs> they're just like in the corner and the, the eye beams are coming closer and they're just cowered in the corner. Just stand up and run somewhere else. Like the beam was
0: going left to right. Yeah. it so ran forward.
1: That's what I'm saying. It was a very predictable. duct. Yeah. That's what or... I'm saying. And it was so slow. They had so much time. You could have just gotten out of the way. And like and they could have gotten around that by having them pinned under rocks. Yes. No, there's a lot of things they could have gotten around by writing better. <laughs>
0: um I don't know. I think I think we've beaten up on Superman enough. We've we should put away the kryptonite and, and maybe find the silver linings of this uh this cynical, depressing two and a half hours. Sure.
1: All right, you know. Uh okay. So Henry Cavill's
0: great casting. Yo, great casting and man that workout. He he became Superman. Like he
1: got yeah. in shape. I did I was like looking at some of the trivia stuff for this before we recorded and it did crack me up that one of the IMDb trivia things says that Zack Snyder wanted him to have a shirtless scene because he was afraid people would see Henry Cavill in the suit and assume that they were like fake styrofoam muscles. So he was like, "No, people have to see you without a shirt on <laughs> so they can see those muscles for real." Like <laughs> and if there's someone that would know that you need to see people's shirts off to
0: know that the muscles aren't fake, it's the director of 300.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, for sure.
0: Uh, All of that was like they CGI'd the hell out of Gerard Butler's beer belly for oh, that movie. Oh,
1: yeah, which again was uh, there there's a lot of interesting stuff in that trivia about Henry Cavill. One openly saying that he refused like that was part of his deal is he did not want to be photoshopped in any way he wanted it to be his actual body uh he also fought for his chest hair like yeah um you know and in a later movie that we'll talk about he'll fought to have a mustache but we're not there yet but yeah we're not there yet um uh, man did he get in good shape for this like arguably one of the best shapes of any actor in a movie ever for a role like he yeah no he's yeah he's super toned for this he looks like superman he's the i, I think of any on-screen superman he looks the most like superman like they, they yeah, nailed it undeb- undebatably. yeah i mean dude looks like yeah the comic book for sure and he's good i mean he's a good actor i like henry cavill quite a bit uh overall i, I yeah. really love him in the mission impossible movie that he's in with a mustache but uh yeah he's
0: he's good in that he's uh uh the uh the netflix series the it's not the reaper but it's like
1: oh it's, the one where he is the gray hair the witcher
0: that. that's what it's called yeah 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 i got you the witcher that's yeah. he's good in that and he's mm-hmm. yeah he's um yeah he's enjoyable in a lot of things he does and
1: is a very handsome man yeah um, yeah, so he was good. I think even, perhaps uh, even better than him is Michael Shannon. Uh <laughs> oh, Michael
0: Shannon! He is such a good evil villain character. No, and he's great time.
1: casting, particularly for Zod. I think I thought I remember before this movie came out, hearing that he was Zod, and just getting excited for that. That's just like, yeah, yep. yep. Which is if you don't know, his second most villainous role that he's ever played after that sorority girl letter <laughs> that he read. that's the best thing that's ever been done, <laughs> yes,
0: if you have not watched that, uh take a minute, go look up Michael Shannon's sorority
1: letter, yeah, uh,
0: it's his it's best break yeah
1: <laughs> but but no, Michael Shannon is great in this there was and i I honestly one of the things that I you know were in the positive part of the show, but when he says. <laughs> to Russell Crowe's character to Jor-El uh, to the, it's the you know artificial intelligence version of Jor-El and he says so you you know you have access to all of Jor-El's memories do you feel the same emotions as him because I just want you to know I'm going to rip the codex off of the corpse of your son and build the new Krypton on his bones and it's like that is amazing <laughs> like it's <laughs>
0: And I would bet he just said that to Russell Crowe at lunch.
1: <laughs> but yeah, I I tee that up too to say that like once we got to that version of Zod, I wish we had. I I kind of almost wish that every other plan of his had failed like in Act One, and we had more of a movie of just. Uh, he's not going to be able to build new Krypton, so he's just going to Plan B, which is to destroy everything in you know Superman's life because once he just became a mustache twirling version of Zod, the movie was the better for it.
0: Yeah, it's it's one of the reasons I think that Zod's not a great part one
1: villain. No. Um, no. Zod's, because, yeah, they spend so much time, this movie did it and sort of, you know, there's been a problem in the past as well, but like, it, they spend so much time making you understand what well, he was a general and this is what he believed in, like giving him the backstory, and the backstory's good, you want a nuanced villain, but Zod is always the best when he's saying kneel before Zod, when he just all he wants is submission. Like just he doesn't he's not three-dimensional. He just wants to conquer everyone in front of him. That is unequivocally right. the best version of Zod.
0: Yeah, and we got a lot of that because Michael Shannon is just a beast. But like
1: I said, I I honestly wish it had started sooner. I wish Yeah, oh
0: the, no, 100 percent
1: Yeah. Um, I like man, I, I feel bad because I do not Know how to pronounce her name. She's a German actress. But I did really enjoy uh Feora. Like, I don't know how to say either the character name or her name. But it's A-N-T-J-E-T-R-A-U-E. And she's the sort of female Kryptonian actress in this movie that um, you know, has probably the most she's besides uh, Kal-el and Zod has for sure the most dialogue of any other Kryptonian character that isn't Russell Crowe, but she's just yeah. the one that she's like beating down Christopher Maloney. She's she gets to tell Superman that he, you know because he's so weak and he cares about all these humans that she's going to defeat him by killing all of them. Like, which is one of the most fun things about Zod in the original movie too. Like, once they realize that of like, oh, you care if we hurt these people. Uh so she gets a lot of that really fun stuff and I think she does it really well. Like I yeah. I enjoyed that character quite a bit.
0: Feora Ull is the character's name and then uh, Antia
1: Trawa is Thank
0: you. how you say
1: it. Yeah, I did not I, like I just I see it written,
0: sorry. Yeah. It's Antia Trawa.
1: Yeah, I just knew I was going to butcher it, but but yeah, she's really great in the movie. Um I I think I got to give a shout
0: out to uh Larry Fishburn as Perry White. Mm-hmm. I, I think he crushed it. Um I like that he uh he played him as if it was Ed Bradley. I think that was a cool choice.
1: Um, yeah. He gets a lot you know. out of he's not given much to do, but he gets a lot of mileage out of the little bit that he has. Yeah.
0: Um, you know, I, I think you'd be upset if we didn't mention Amy Adams.
1: I love Amy Adams, yeah. I uh I know that <laughs> you maybe were less enamored with her performance like and i i think she's strange casting for lois lane she's not really how i envision lois lane from the comics who feels more like i was actually thinking about this when i was watching like colby smolders would have been great casting for lois lane yeah right? that you would know? be really good casting as yeah lois she lane. tends to be more assertive and and brash than this Amy Adams version in this movie like and which is always what I liked about Lois Lane that she sort of has like she canonically was you know is raised by this you know general and uh, very much exists in a boys club type world and just has that Colby Smulders type unflinching you know just confidence and brashness and you know ability and there's this
0: bit of jaded world weariness and yes
1: yeah yeah yeah. something to
0: chip on their shoulder something to prove and yeah, I mean, I think Amy Adams can do all that. I think she's a fantastic actress.
1: and um, Yeah, yeah. but that's not what she's doing in this movie. She no. So she both doesn't really look like Lois Lane does in the comics and is playing another type of character that I think Amy Adams does really well, but a, a more like reserved, uh, softer <laughs> character, I guess. And it, it's just a weird choice for Lois Lane. But I love Amy Adams. I'm really happy. I also saw that Amy Adams apparently auditioned for four different versions of Lois Lane before getting this one. And, uh, you know, so I'm very happy for her. that She finally get to play.
0: She's the Joe Biden of Lois Lane casting.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yep. That's exactly just it. Keep and trying
0: different versions, different it's, ways. It's and eventually a, you get, <laughs> eventually you get it. It's just a shame. There's so much malarkey in this movie. So much malarkey. <laughs> this is a ton of malarkey. Um, uh, yeah, I mean I liked Russell Crowe too. I'll I like Russell Crowe too. Yeah. I'll I say. think really good like the actors and acting in this movie is for the most part pretty good really good. Yeah. Yep. Uh I think it's it's the the viewpoint the color saturation bugged me the whole time too.
1: I don't well, know. Oh yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I mean that and that that became an increasing problem uh, with this being the foundation of the DC extended universe that you know anytime anyone who wasn't Zack snyder uh made a movie that took place in this universe they they have to try to at least play to that in some way and i i really i know it's a sort of Zack snyder's signature but it's it worked really well in 300 i feel like and it just i wish he did it less in other stuff
0: yeah I, i'm inclined to agree with that um And yeah, and so then, and this established the groundwork for what's, I think, going to be
1: a really fun month for us, if that's not a silver lining. Oh, man. If you made it through this one, it's going to be just like this every time. So, yep. It's going to be so much fun. uh you know but just give andy and i credit our our fathers told us to never show our powers of finding silver linings in maligned movies because the world wouldn't accept us and then they stood there and (laughs) waited to die in a really lazy way yes (laughs) they
0: stood there at the diner after watching a movie and said wow you do have really good takes never mind (laughs) anyway (laughs) the world
1: know Anyway, I got to get something out of the truck while this hurricane passes. <laughs> Puts their hand out and
0: tells us to stop. Uh, but yeah, Marvel, give us money to lambaste these DC
1: movies even more, and yeah, or uh, DC, give us money to pretend that we liked them more. Someone I, just give give us money, holler at yeah, your boys. Yeah, I don't I don't feel strongly either way. I'll take it as long as it spins. I'll take anyone's money. Yeah, we're we're for sale. Just put that out there. <laughs>
0: Silver Linings Playback is a production of Hobotrashcan.com. If you enjoyed the show, please rate or review it on Apple Podcasts. Hear more great shows on the Peak Sloth Podcast Network,
1: like this one. How many times has this happened to you? I just want to listen to a podcast. I can't choose from all these complicated structures and setups. You want to listen, not think. That's why there's hobo radio you'll feel like the smartest guy in the room in a room by yourself this doesn't take any intellectual thinking at all thanks hobo radio hobo radio a weekly podcast on the peak sloth podcast network